What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Got a really short podcast for you today. I'm going to be ranking all 16 of the NBA playoff teams after these first two games in every series. It's going to be a loaded show. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Ranked and put in tiers, all 16 NBA playoff teams. My opening tier ranks 16 through 13 is my should have went for Wimby tier. And number 16, I have the Atlanta Hawks. Trey Young is the entire reason for them being ranked number 16. He's been bad not only in this playoff series, but in their last playoff series as well, going back to last year. They're probably going to move him in the offseason. I know a couple weeks ago, I made a comment about how I think Trey Young fits really well in this offense. And I, I still think that just during the regular season. Here's the truth about Trey Young. He's undersized, and he relies way too much on getting calls in order to consistently score. I, I still think he's a really good playmaker, but as I said, his lack of size kind of hurts him in that regard. And unlike and unlike some of these other small guards, like John Morant's you know, only a couple inches taller than Trey, but John Morant, has a 40-inch vertical, so his athleticism makes up for his lack of size. Trey Young obviously doesn't have that sort of athleticism in terms of the explosiveness, so his size is a real issue for the Atlanta Hawks. Now, DeJounte Murray, like that's a great player. They're going to hold on to him. They just need another piece outside of Trey Young, someone who can actually play defense and consistently knock down shots and score You know, like a normal basketball player outside of getting to the free throw line. They need somebody unlike Trey Young, to put alongside DeJounte Murray because he can play. He had a really good game, too, and he's going to continue to play well because he has the size and the athleticism to get good looks, and he doesn't have to rely on getting fouled in order to score points consistently. So the worst team in the NBA playoffs this year has been the Atlanta Hawks. Number 15, I have the Brooklyn Nets, Like, which is pretty pretty easy to predict. Okay, They were 11-13 and after the trade deadline. This isn't a playoff team. But I like where they're at. You know, Bridges is a good player. Cam Johnson is a good player. Spencer Dinwiddie's, you know, an above-average player. They have a lot of, this is a good player. They don't have any great players. And as I said on the last podcast, I don't think Macau Bridges is a one. I think he's a two. Just, you know, from what we've seen so far, obviously this is his first time ever getting a majority of the shots. So he's going to continue to develop. And maybe in a year or two, he's worthy of being a number one option. But as of right now, he looks like a two. He doesn't have any elite trait and when we look at all the number ones, they have some sort of elite trait. And Macau Bridges just doesn't. He's not an elite shooter. He's not you know, super explosive. Doesn't have the best handle. It's just a lot of, that's a really good skill. There is no, that's a great skill. He reminds me a lot of Chris Middleton. The Nets are one big legit star away from being a really, really good basketball team. You know, it would be great if they had a guy like Kevin Durant to put alongside all of them. Then they'd be really, really good. And number 14... I have the Miami Heat, especially with Tyler Hero out. Look, he's their second-best scoring option, and they didn't have a lot of scoring options to be, to begin with. And now that he's out, and until the NBA Finals, because the Miami Heat, they're definitely going to make it to the NBA Finals. Um, they just don't have the offense to compete with anybody. They, they just don't have the offense. You know, There's been this hope that Bam Adebayo would turn into a better offensive player. That just hasn't happened. Okay, he's really good from that high post area in terms of his playmaking ability. He can knock down that 
15-foot jump shot. But outside of Jimmy Butler, the Miami Heat don't have anybody who you can just say, hey, you're a good offensive player. Here's the basketball. Go get me two points. Now, look, Eric Spolstra, he's going to scheme up different ways for them to slow Milwaukee down. But ultimately, they just don't have the talent to hang with any of the teams that I have ranked above them. And number 13, my, my final team here in the should-have-went-for-Wimby sweepstakes, or tier, excuse me, not sweepstakes, I have the Minnesota Timberwolves. They made the worst trade in NBA history in the offseason, and that is why they're in this area. Simple as that. Rudy Gobert is an absolute zero on offense. The only time he scores is when other people create for him. He gets in Carl Anthony Towns' way. He gets in Anthony Edwards' way, who had a great night last night scoring 41. And I think that the hope, if you are currently Minnesota, is that Anthony Edwards can continue to develop. Because he is the future of this team. Who knows how much longer they'll hold on to Carl Anthony Towns. You know, they're stuck with Gobert and that huge number on his contract. And so I've, if I'm if I'm the Timberwolves, forget making the playoffs next year, forget all that. We are going 100% into developing Anthony Edwards. That way, when they get out from underneath Rudy Gobert's contract and all this money frees up, they can then go out and get players to surround Anthony Edwards and make a legit run at it. Rudy Gobert was just it's just a waste of their time and a waste of their money. Moving on to my next tier. Numbers 12 through 10. This is my in- inconsistent tier. These are the teams that, you know, some nights they look great, other nights they don't. Number 12, I have the Los Angeles Lakers. They had an opportunity last night to step on the Memphis Grizzlies' throats. To really take a hold of that series. Go up 2-0, going back home to L.A. They could have swept them. If the Lakers had won last night, you couldn't have convinced me that they were not going to sweep the Grizzlies. Because they're going home. And role players play better at home. And then Anthony Davis decided just to not show up. He only took 14 shots in 38 minutes. Now some of that may be coaching. I'm sure that's what some people say. Oh, they just didn't generate enough shots for him. Oh, they, they didn't do enough to get him involved in the offense. Bull crap. No way. He's Anthony freaking Davis. 14 shots in 38 minutes. When Anthony Davis is aggressive, when he's looking for his shot, when he's looking for opportunities to score, whether that's you know out of the roll on a pick and roll, whether that's you know him putting his back to the basket, whether that's him chasing after offensive rebounds, when he's aggressive pursuing the basketball, looking to score, he is a top five player in the NBA. But the issue is that no one knows when he's going to be aggressive. No one knows when Anthony Davis is going to show up and actually try. That's what he did in game one, and he was dominant. He was the best player in that game. And then last night, LeBron goes for 28, shoots 12-23 from the field. He was 1-8 of from 3, but that's fine. He was aggressive. He went after it because he saw the opportunity to really take a hold of that series. And then, you know, you got Rui Hachimura off the bench scoring 20 again, playing really well, and they just wait, they wasted the, that performance. Because you, you can't depend on your role players to go for 20 every night. Austin Reeves didn't play as well, but that's fine. He's a role player. And I have a question. Why is Austin Reeves taking 12 shots while Anthony Davis is taking 14? 
That's just, that's unacceptable. It has to be established before the game. Anthony Davis, you have to take at least 20 shots tonight. I need 20 shots and six free throws free throws from you minimum every single night. LeBron, I need I need 18 shots and six free throws minimum from you every single night if we actually want a legit chance to make a run and win a championship. And when the best player on your team, because make no mistake about it, Anthony Davis, when he wants to be, he is the best player on that Lakers team. When your best player decides to not show up and to not be aggressive and to not take shots, it's really hard to beat anybody. Number 11, I have the Golden State Warriors. I Look, this team across the board, they check every single box except for one. They lack perimeter defense. That's why the Kings have been carving them up. You know, I, I, I did the whole thing, I guess that was on the last podcast, talking about how in the last five minutes and 50 seconds, the Warriors have been outscored by the Kings 40-29. to 29. Okay, they have been tied at the five-minute and 50-second mark in both games one and two. In both games, De'Aaron Fox has carved up the Warriors and put them away. It's happened in both games. And maybe part of that is, you know, Andrew Wiggins just doesn't fully have his legs back. That's fair. I could understand that. But even Gary Payton can't stay in front of this guy. And now they're going into game three without Draymond Green, who they are three and six without this year. When Draymond Green does not play, the Golden State Warriors are three and six. And here's the good news. They are going back home. That always helps. Especially the Warriors, because they don't lose at home. They don't lose at home. Their record at home this year has been really, really good. But guess what? They can win every home game in the series and still not win the series. they got to figure out how to get one on the road, and that's something that they haven't done this year. They're inconsistent on the road, and the perimeter defense is lacking. So you have to put them at 11. Number 10, I have the New York Knicks. And the reason why I have them here is I I think they're consistent. I know what I'm getting from the New York Knicks every single night. I'm going to get a team that's going to rebound. I've got a team that's going to play defense. I know. Teams coached by Coach Tibbs always do those two things. They rebound, and they play defense. The issue with the New York Knicks is that their top two players are worse than every other team's top two players from ranking 12 down. Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle aren't better than Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They aren't better than Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. They aren't better than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George or Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook even. They aren't better than Garland and... Um, Mitchell, so on and so forth. We can keep going. And they're just lacking in terms of top-end talent. But I do like this Knicks team. They are a star away from being a title contender, I would say. Moving on into my next tier. This is my could-be-better tier. This is my, you're just not not a little bit away. You're more than a little bit away. You're more than a little bit away. There's There's one hole somewhere that I don't like. So number nine, I have the Los Angeles Clippers. And here's the truth. If Paul George came back tomorrow, I think this team would be a dark horse to win the NBA Finals. But he's not back yet. Doesn't look like he's going to be back before this Phoenix series is over. And I don't think that they're I don't think that they can beat Phoenix without him. Kawhi Leonard's been great. But I don't trust Russell Westbrook to continue to play well and to have as big of an impact as he's had in these first two games. And at some point, 
Kawhi Leonard will struggle at home or something will happen and the talent of the Phoenix Suns will show up and they should beat this Clippers team because they don't have Paul George. But if they did, but if they did, I I, I would take them to beat Phoenix, but they don't. And so I have to have them lower because of that. Man, I really wish they had Paul George. They'd be they'd be tough. Number eight, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers. Moby Mobley isn't developed enough offensively yet. I think we're really kind of seeing that here in the playoffs. Um, but here's here's my biggest issue with Cleveland. I love their defense. They rebound well. Jarrett Allen's awesome. Mobley allows them to do so much defensively due to his size and his athleticism. But here's the issue that I have with the Cavs, and it's Darius Garland. I love Darius Garland. Okay, I own I own a lot of real estate on Darius Garland Island. Okay, and I'm going to continue to buy more because I think he's a great player. I think he's a great point guard. There are very few point guards I would take before I took Garland. But he has to be more aggressive. I think he defers way too much. In game two, he took four more shots than he did in game one, and he took seven more free throws. He was aggressive, and they ran the Knicks out of the building. The issue is when he's not aggressive, the offense becomes overly reliant on Donovan Mitchell, who's a great scorer, obviously. Okay, he, he set the record for most 40-point 40, 40 games in a season by a Cleveland Cavalier, and I don't need to remind you that LeBron James once played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He did it for a long time. Donovan Mitchell, one of the best scorers of the basketball in the NBA, but when the offense becomes overly reliant on one player, it's hard to beat teams in the playoffs, and that's what we saw happen in Game 1. So Darius Garland has to be aggressive. He has to be for them to beat this Knicks team. Number seven, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. They can defend. They remind me a lot of the Knicks, honestly. They can defend and they rebound. And when John Morant's healthy, which he should hopefully be returning here in game three, their offense obviously takes a step up. They then have that top-end talent that the Knicks are lacking. But as of right now, they lack depth behind Jaron Jackson Jr. They have injuries to their bigs. And look, to come out and to win it to win the NBA title this year, you gotta have bigs who can play. Because you're you're probably gonna have to play Denver at some point. And there's a chance that you play Philadelphia. There's a lot of really good bigs out there this year. Anthony Davis. Right? So on and so forth. Like there are multiple bigs out there, and if they don't have more depth behind Jaron Jackson Jr., I just think that at some point they're they're going to be too small and they're not going to be able to get it done. Number six, I have the Phoenix Suns, which is probably surprising. Yes, I have five teams ranked in front of the Phoenix Suns right now. They have the most talented starting five of any team in this year's NBA playoffs. They do, but they have no bench and they haven't played together enough. Okay, we've seen a lack of chemistry affect teams that have played an entire year together. Meanwhile, this Suns team has played nine games together, and I've got, I see people picking them to win the West. Like, do y'all not remember the first year of the Miami Heat? Is it not so similar to this Phoenix Suns team? They had all their money in three players. The Phoenix Suns have all their money in four players. And then outside of that, it's a bunch of guys who, you know, try to play defense. Bunch of guys who can sometimes knock down open threes. I don't think that there's enough around him, and there is nothing on the bench. 
Okay, in order for them to win game two, their starters had to combine for 110 points. It's the most in playoff history. They have no bench. It is those four guys, and that's it. Now, look, those four guys can win you a lot of games. Those four guys can beat the Clippers if the Clippers don't have Paul George. But but can those four guys beat the Kings? Can those four guys beat Denver? Can those four guys beat the Bucks? Can those four guys beat the Celtics? The answer is no. I'm telling you right now. The answer is no. So I have Phoenix at six due to their lack of depth. Now, my next tier is really good, but there's something missing. Number five, I have the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid's been awesome. He's going to be the MVP this year, it looks like. But here's here's the truth, and I think this is where a lot of people fall. I don't trust James Harden. I don't trust Tobias Harris. And I definitely don't trust Doc Rivers. I think that outside of Joel Embiid, there's a lack of consistency from the guys that they look to. Where there's not a lack of consistency is from a guy named Tyrese Maxey, who is their best offensive guard on their roster. But I don't think that Doc Rivers has the balls to look at James Harden and be like, we're going to take the ball out of your hand, you're going to take less shots, and we're going to give all those shots to Maxey, because Maxey's a better offensive player than you are. I don't think he has the balls to do it, and I think it's going to cost him. Tyrese Maxey should be taking more shots than James Harden. He should be taking more shots than Tobias Harris. He should be initiating the offense, not James Harden. And I don't think that Doc Rivers is willing to take the ball out of his hands. I think that's really going to cost him. Number four, I have the Sacramento Kings. They know how to close teams out. I really like this Kings team. You know, I was in the same boat as a lot of other people. With I thought that they were going to be inexperienced, and because of that, they kind of struggle playing against the Warriors, the defending champs, and they've come out, and they've just played awesome. Their guards have been awesome. De'Aaron Fox is an absolute bucket. I like their bench. They're deep. Okay, they're showing real effort on the defensive end, which I appreciate, and I'll be honest, as of right now, I would pick them to beat the Grizzlies or the Lakers in round two, if they get there, if they get there. The offense is incredible, but the defense, the defensive numbers are just, they're bad. They've been bad all year, even though the defense looks pretty good right now. The question is, can they continue it? Can they continue that defensive intensity, not only against the Warriors, because let's be honest, it's really easy to get up for the Warriors. It's really easy to look across the court and be like, oh, there's Steph Curry, there's Draymond Green, there's Klay Thompson. Those are the guys who are currently at the top of the NBA. It's really easy to look across the court and be like, you know what, I've got a little extra energy. It's easy for me to bring the little bit of extra intensity. Then you move on, you win the series. Then you got to go play the Grizzlies. It's like, we're better than these guys. We're better than these guys. We, We just beat the Warriors. We don't have to be as great on defense. We can just outscore these guys. And that's just not the case. So will they be able to maintain their defensive intensity after they move on past the Warriors, because I do think they're going to move on past the Warriors. That's the question I have for the Kings. Now, my final three, this is my could win an NBA championship tier. Number three, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. They lost game one because Giannis got hurt. They went back, they watched film, they regrouped, they came out in game two, 
and their depth and collective talent just dominated the entire game. They're deep. They're talented. According to Reggie Miller, Bobby Portis could start on 29 other NBA teams, but he accepted his role. That's not true. That number is probably closer to like 8 or 9, but anyway. (laughs) They defend at a high level, and when Giannis is healthy, they have three players who can initiate the offense and can get their own shot. Drew Holiday has been really good this year. I think in some ways, Middleton being hurt has helped them. It's really helped to bring Drew along. He's been awesome for them offensively, and we know what he brings defensively. We know what Chris Middleton brings defensively. He's starting to play better. He had a really good game one. Game two, he wasn't as efficient. He was like 6 of 16 from the field. But you can tell the rhythm is coming back. And when they have Giannis, I mean, look, they have the best player in the world whenever he's healthy. And anytime you have the best player in the world and you've got good good talent around him, you can win an NBA title. Really like this Bucks team. But not as much as I like another team in the East. That is the Boston Celtics. Deep and loaded with talent. They have guys who can guard on the perimeter, multiple guys who can guard on the perimeter. They got bigs who can rebound and challenge shots at the rim. The question for them is, is Robert Williams going to stay healthy? Because if he does, they check every single box. Every single box. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both having outstanding seasons together. Jalen Brown's going to get paid in the offseason, and then we'll see what happens to the Celtics roster. But man, they are loaded, loaded, loaded. They're really good. They are the best team in the East that we've seen so far. And finally, number one, I have the Denver Nuggets. When Jamal Murray plays this well, there's not a team in the league who, who can beat the Nuggets. Okay, I don't like it when teams are overly reliant on one player. And when we look at the Nuggets, they can have games where this happens. right? They have games where it's like, here you go, Jokic. You go do everything. You go score. You go create. You go rebound. You do everything for us. And one of the things that I really like about the Kings is that their best player, De'Aaron Fox, doesn't have to do everything for the entire 48 minutes. Okay, He can just be a simple addition to the offense, and then when the last five minutes comes... He can take the ball, and he can go get a bucket, and he can go create for other guys, and he can kind of be that guy in those last five minutes because he still has the energy left to do that. And when Jamal Murray is playing at this level, it allows Jokic to do that. It allows Jokic to just be a part of the offense, to move the ball, to not have to bang with guys for 48 minutes. It allows him to just conserve energy. And then when those last five minutes come, You can give the ball to Jokic, and you can let him go do his thing. And you can get a good shot every time down for those last five minutes because Jokic actually has the energy to do it and to create like that. And, I mean, look, when Murray's playing this well, good luck stopping this team. I don't think you can. They got shooters everywhere. And defensively, outside of Jokic and Michael Porter Jr., they have good defenders. Catavius Caldwell-Pope, that's a good defender. Aaron Gordon, that's a good defender. Uh, Bruce Brown, that's a good defender. I mean, they've got guys all over the floor who can knock down open shots and defend at a high level. And that's what you want. That's what the NBA is. The NBA is all about having guys who can defend and knock down open threes and then having a couple guys who can go get a bucket and can go create for those guys who knock down open shots. That's what the Nuggets have. That's what the Nuggets have. And they've got two guys were really hard to stop in Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. 
That's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Uh, I'm not going to be here this weekend, so I'm going to try and get another podcast out on Tuesday, but it may not come out till Wednesday. Um, going to a wedding that's, you know, 10 hours away, so my ability to watch basketball is going to be a little depleted. But hope, hoping to get another podcast out for y'all on either Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. If you want more from me, go over to the YouTube channel. Subscribe. The YouTube channel is Shooting the Schmidt, spelled the exact same way that you spell the podcast. So, once again, that'll do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. And I'll be back again on Tuesday or Wednesday with another podcast for you.